Blog Talk Radio. Hoping this was meant for her good riddance, a good life, strawberry fantasy, champagne wishes, a couple of maids to do the dishes. She loves spanking, her heart breaking, but it's money forgiveness. As long as you tell her he love her, uh, then all is forgiven. Makeup to cover up the shit that he did to you. The pain is reciprocal. When the feelings get destroyed, you put your heart all in it, but you can't keep going this way. You got that feeling when you feeling like you fed up. Uh, Pack your shit and get the hell out But the fear won't let you stay Hoping this'll play out The pain gets deeper Too much for you to bear now I know, lady, I can show you something Shit you'll never see again I can give you them type of feelings Feelings you won't get from them I know how he treats you Like you ain't shit for you deserve everything you get from him You stay win hard Knowing he won't gonna come home You just sit there stuck In a love syndrome I'm 
To the country, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to the country with Barbara, the country cleaning lady. This is, uh, you know, her uh, her hour special where she interviews people. And um, and today for this interview, well, tonight for this interview, she'll be interviewing Candace Norwood of uh, H2R Family. Uh, to talk about the Hear the Unheard compilation album, uh, the Superstition Edition Volume Two. Um, you can you can get that on uh, Hear the Unheard. That's uh, here, and then there's the spelled T H A Unheard dot blogspot dot com, and you can check out uh all, get all the information on that. You can also search it on YouTube as well. It lends to the entire um, you know the entire compilation. And uh, we'll also talk about some other things going on with Candace too, uh, outside of the music. But you know, we of course we want to talk about you know her role with H2R Family and the compilation and the artists on the compilation and all this and that. And we're gonna plug the links and this and that too. But we're also Barbara is also gonna get deep with Candace too and, and get all in her mind and get all up in it and uh, and pick her brain like she normally does. So let me go on ahead and bring on Barbara, and we're gonna bring on. Candace. Country. What's cracking, Papa? Let's do a show. <laughs> All right, let's All right. Hang on, Miss Candace. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. Candace. Hello. Hey, Candace. How you doing? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm driving actually, so I've taken two minutes. I apologize. How are you doing? Oh. Oh yeah, we're doing well. Um, so you ready for this interview? Yes, I'm ready. Hey, baby girl. Right. How are you doing, Miss Barbara? I'm doing fine, love. Finally get to hear you instead of talking to you in the inbox. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> girl, I don't really want to be talking to you driving on this road, so I'm, I'm going to try to keep you focused and, and get a little bit of this in there while you're trying to get to your destination. Yes, ma'am. I first appreciate that. Huh? Please, baby. Okay. First, I'm going to congratulate you on here, the Unheard Mixtape. It's, it's real hot. It's nice. And on H2R Family LLC and Don Mills Entertainment, because you're a busy girl. 
hardworking businesswoman and a soul survivor. My first question to you, because you know we got to get right into this about the kids. How was the transition from a preschool teacher of 12 years to a company exec, and do you regret your career change? Um, I definitely don't regret it. And what it is is, you know, transferring, you know, the love and, you know, taking, working with children and seeing them grow and thrive and taking it into a company that, you know, based on helping youth to do that as well, just in different, different avenues and actually to be able to help more children this way. What you led know, you to want to work with children? What led you to want to do that? Um, I've always had a you know, love for children, and even in elementary school, I would babysit and work with some children. And it's always been in me. And then whenever I was volunteering for my son's preschool, and I was the president of the parent committee, I was volunteering a lot, and they asked me to be a sub, you know, the next year. And it just, like... It was meant to be. So how was music instrumental in your healing and recovery process? Well, during the healing process of being in an abusive relationship, um, I had really got down on myself and really was ready to give up because I had been dealing it with, with it for years, and I just felt like there was no way out. And then I was driving on the road, and I heard um, this song, a uh, fight song by Rachel Platten, and it just, it pulled something inside of me, and I lift it up, and I can feel the empowerment come through me, and it gave me the will to start fighting again and to actually want to live my life. And then I started talking, you know, to some some friends and stuff in the industry, and they actually cared and have really helped me, you know, live for the first time in, you know, almost four years. So it's definitely... Mission- and your mission was to help others, you know, improve society and to hopefully, you know, get tougher laws to protect children and better treatment of children. With what you do now, how do you expect to accomplish that? Well, it's bringing awareness, you know, for that and to take and raise money for organizations. Um, I would like to eventually, you know, hopefully get an um, event down here to raise money to actually open a domestic violence center because there's not enough resources in this area. And when I actually called the hotline twice, they told me there was nowhere to go. And right. that needs to change. And I've talked to other women in this area that have are stuck in that same situation. Mm-hmm. So it's all come hand in hand to raise, you know, raise the awareness, raise money to actually try to get, you know, resources put in place to actually help the women and children along with other, you know, yeah, because that needs to be done. So H2R Family and Don Mills Entertainment are the vehicles in which you use to reach out to both the youth and society. Tell us a little bit about both organizations. Okay. Well, the H2R, it is exactly that we're reaching out. And we're using, you know, conscious music and more positive music because, as we can see, there is definitely power within that music and to take and use that music to help save lives, to continue saving lives. And, you know, to help that positive, you know, vibe to put back out there because there's so much hate and violence that's going around right. everywhere that needs to be improved. And music can really get in there and help that, you know, just by, you know, the power within itself and what is being put out, you know, for the society to take in. And, well, you know, you know they say music, music um, soothes the savage beast. So in a sense, is that what 
everybody working together and even some of the artists, is that the intent for the music? I'm sorry, what was that? I didn't catch that first part. I said, they say music soothes the savage beast. So is that the intent for the music end of it, for everybody working together to try to do that? Yes, ma'am. Definitely. That's, you know, what I, you know, would hope would definitely come out of it and stuff and, you know, using the music. And, you know, we do have the Dom Mills Entertainment because, you know, it's not easy to, you know, always have just positive music. You know, they talk about real life and stuff. So there's uncensored. But they, and then we take in, you know, and those artists are also giving back into the community. You know, they're working with the youth already. They're donating to, you know, the homeless, and they're volunteering their soup kitchen. They are definitely giving to society as well. So it's a group of artists and people coming together with good hearts and all in the same mission mm-hmm. to take and get back to society to help our youth and, you know, work together for hopefully, you know, then overall a better tomorrow hope improving society as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that is true because, you know, a lot of people don't feel like there is an answer for this situation. They don't understand the toll and psychological breakdown that we're bullying, domestic violence, um, child incest, molestation, and all of these things take on a soul, old or young. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what the effects are and how how some of these people can get help from the resources you have in case we have listeners with kids or themselves suffering right now? Um, right now, I definitely say that the psychological and there's a spiritual and even um, a third type. It's just you know an emotional you know scars that come with that. Definitely, that take a lot longer to heal than the physical scars that people don't see. And we definitely, you know, want to talk about that and address that because when people stop seeing that, it's harder and it takes a lot, you know, for women and stuff to really come out and take time to heal. And that definitely needs to start being addressed. And those services, I feel, should be in those centers, you know, to help these women while they're there to actually get help. Mm-hmm. And um, right now, I know that, you know, definitely the still call, you know, the hotline. I, I don't have the number right now with me, you know, for domestic mm-hmm. violence. And we okay. are putting up some more resources and avenues to take in, um, you know, for help for women. And you're definitely getting that together. Mm-hmm. Because it needs to be done because a lot of them, I know for cleaning 18 years, I've cleaned a couple of domestic violence and women's shelters. And that Stockholm Syndrome is no joke. I've seen three or four get murdered because they they tried to stay away, but somehow whatever whole men or women that was had on them, um, they they had they had to go back. They felt like they had to, they were compelled to put their children back at that risk. And I mean, I've always sometimes got mad being a victim of molestation myself. I got mad with these women a lot of times because I didn't understand why would you want to put your children back in that harm or yourself. And over the years now, I, I kind of get it. If you don't know anything else but that abuse, Correct. the kindness, the kindness kills you. Right. And the kindness kills you more than the abuse does. And it's, and it's amazing and twisted how that happens, but it does. And you don't understand that what's being done to you is not natural that it's not right, that you don't deserve that. And and I, I've seen people die behind it, um, and I'm all for anybody out there that, that know they need help but don't know how to get it, find someone 
that they can talk to. And I'm so glad that you decided to reach back and and try to touch the, the greatest part of this, and that's the children, because it starts there. They see and hear a lot. You know that even at the preschool level, they maintain a lot of information we think they're not even picking up. And they don't have it. They don't have opportunity to act it out because they're little and can't really talk. But once they can, you understand the violent people they become. They've been holding all that in for God knows how many years, and yeah. and finally able to unleash it when they hit those ages where they're able to talk and respond. Mm-hmm. And it's real dangerous, you know, with children. I mean, I can't stress enough. It's real dangerous, not only for yourself to be in that scenario, but a child as well. You know, and I mean, I'm hoping that through your organizations, you guys, where you are, really worldwide, and through the music, you can reach everybody and let them know it's a better way than what they're dealing with. That's what what they're going through is not right. It's not of nobody's calling to be treated like lesser than a person or to be beat on like you some piece of wood. It's it's not it's not the way anybody's life should go, no matter how you were raised. It's, it's, it's not the way that you ought to die. That's not. That shouldn't be the last thing somebody said about you that you were bludgeoned or beaten to death. It's not. Mm-hmm. And you know, as far as you going on with Don Mills Entertainment and being a company exec, how is it being a white female exec, a black artist? And I mean, you're really in the midst now of this racial war. Has that affected business in any way? No, I don't think so. Everybody, you know, is treating everybody just like everybody else. You know, I don't feel like, you know, I'm a white woman, you know, over, you know, working with and some black artists. I just feel like people working together. Okay. I haven't noticed. And the artists haven't had any issue or, you know, brought up any problems either? No, Mm -hmm. none. Not that I'm aware of, no. So how important is it? How important is it to have an effective support system personally and professionally? How important is that? Um, I, it's definitely very important to have a support system, you know, because we are human. And, you know, going through you know, traumatic experience, you do have PTSD, you know, and that is part of the people don't realize. And it's sometimes you need someone that you can you know, be there to rely on just as a friend alone, you know. And that helps you as well to keep going and trying to motivate and stuff. It's just, you know, a sports system is extremely important for the healing process, you know, mm-hmm. personally. And definitely also professionally, like, you know, that wonderful mentors that are there and patients, you know, and helping me along the way. And the transition into, you know, coming into a company that from preschool teacher along the way with healing. So it's been a lot of transitions with a lot of help and a lot of support. And this mm-hmm. is very helpful, very important. And that's a, that's a good thing it is. And see, your company offers other services as well to the community. Can you tell us what a couple of them are and how can they contact you about them? Okay, well, we take and do help, you know, with websites um, for companies or artists, you know, that's coming up that do need those. And it, we take and also offer, you know, videos and mm-hmm. Right now, we're taking working on um, working on family events, actually to come together and start going into communities. Like I said, to take and raise the money and start giving back more into the community. We also are working on another compilation right now um, okay. for the Hear That Heard, you know, Volume Three, 
And we are taking looking for some more conscious, you know, positive, uplifting music from the artists to take it and include on, you know, our compilations and getting it out there to help get into society. So you some more okay. positive vibes. And that is the truth. We do need we do need that. How did y'all find the artists and how did they come up with the music for the C D? A lot of the artists, um, my partner, Mr. Aaron, he taken had already known and worked with and we taken our looking you know, and finding some online who will talk to and uh get to know and also through Mr. J with the Southeast Hip Hop mm-hmm. magazine and stuff has been very helpful as well with that. You know, we're all working together and bringing resources and and definitely bringing it together. Say it with your chest! And so most of them would have their own, because I'm listening to different flavors of uh, rap, R&B, in the um, CD. So, I mean, how how are they coming up with their material? Did they already come with it, or did you guys help them write it, or...? Um, they had already had, you know, some people download music, and the artists have taken actually just taken donating their music to us to use for a compilation. But they come up with it themselves. Okay. All right, because I listened to, you know, some of the mixtapes, and that's why I was wondering who are some of the artists and okay. how were you introduced to them. And then once you tell us that, Jay is going to play some of the songs from the mixtape, and then we'll continue with this intense interview after. Are we doing that now? Oh, sorry about that. I, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going ahead and, uh, you know, get those songs ready. That pole, reaching for my road, down that booty slow. Watch for you to hold, since she moves just like a boat. Spinning on my dope, she's so fucking bad. I think I'ma spend some more. I just wanna see the show, she just wanna see me throw. You clap without your hands, make them bang go. Like a banjo, like a candle. If I want it, I'ma get it. Ain't shit I can't handle. Maybe just a handful, let it get a sample. If you do it with no hands, I'll be a fan too. Pussy like a camel, get it with this bamboo. You ain't tryna say these bitches, so we raise a clean groove. See the way that she move, make me pop it for smooth. If they all make it, how can a nigga choose? Grabbing that pole, I'm grabbing my rope. She got her legs like sliding down to the floor. And she getting it gold, but she popping for shows. Put a pearl string out of that camel toe. Getting that cash, cause she shaking that ass. Is she getting that cash, cause she shaking that ass. No, grabbing that No clothes on, too much 
much ass for you to hold on. It ain't shit for me to throw them chips if you roll them hips for the whole song. Stuntin' getting my pose on. Pockets bigger than the ozone. She get off late, getting it off straight. Told a nigga to wait and we can stroll home. Clap that ass with no hands, boo. Let me show you just what these bands do. Any damn thing I can't handle. I'ma hit her hard with this bamboo. Tossing all of this cash. Got a nigga lost in all of this ass. Ain't no sense in trying to be cool about it if you about this cash. See the way that she moves, and we probably for smooth. If they all naked, how can a nigga choose? She grabbing that pole, I'm grabbing my rope. She got her legs like sliding down to the floor. And she getting that dough, we popping for show. Put a pearl string out of that camel toe. Get deep. 
from where they could see me now. The money coming, don't want the fame, you could keep it. A million dollars was all I ever dreamed of. Know some niggas who were taking off, I had to keep up. A couple niggas owe me on some favors, I ain't gon' speak up. A lot of niggas don't wanna see me make it, that's why I keep heat up. Everything ain't what it's songs from the uh, from the compilation from the superstition edition from uh, hear the unheard uh, and Candace, those are your uh, two those uh, two well the two actually three songs we played that I played another song at the beginning of the show um, those are those are particularly your favorite tracks right off the compilation yes the first track that you had played uh, at the beginning of the show was actually by a more uh, King staff mind control mm-hmm and um, you also play Teacher God Bodies track on there. And, uh, yeah. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, because I remember those are the tracks you recommended, you know, to, for me to put to the, uh, you know, the system to play on the air a while back. Oh, definitely, yes. They are definitely great tracks and, you know, definitely got some, you know, good feedbacks on each of those tracks. Oh, yeah. How can everybody get that um, mixtape? Um, it's on YouTube on the Don Mills Entertainment uh, channel. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, Get Down Her Volume 2 mix, and they're also individually linked on there as well on the YouTube channel. And then there's also the H2R Family United uh, YouTube channel where it's also listed, the Volume 2. And it's also, Do, um, like I said, individually broke down for each artist. Mm-hmm. And it's also Do y'all have a tour? There. Do y'all have um, a tour linked to it? Okay. No. Have they done any other um, performances on any songs from the tape? Oh, we haven't done any live performances yet. That's what we're working for together at the event. We said the uh, mm-hmm. conscious music and the part of the, um, for part two, the, uh, the Hear the Unheard 2, you know, be included and used um, at the family events to raise awareness and, you know. So how are the artists working out, the ones that you – how many artists do you all have in general? We have about 12 artists, and everybody's mm-hmm. working out great. Everybody's working together, you know, and we're definitely, you know, trying to bring it together, and they're also very busy as well, you know, in the community mm-hmm. right now. And they are doing shows and, and making appearances, yes. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's getting along, um, honing in on their craft and perfecting um, oh, their particular definitely. style of music. Yes, ma'am. And everybody's if, definitely getting along. So everybody's working together, collaborating together, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, utilizing everybody's strength and working as a team. What is the background of some of those artists? Have any of them had any issues coming in? I mean, the, most of the artists always come with some story to tell. Um, from their past, from their childhood. Is that the case with any of your artists or most of them just clean-cut kids that came from school and, and decided that this is what they wanted in a career? I know they all had, you know, um, different upbringing. And some have had, you know, issues, you know, um, have gone through things well growing up. You know, not everybody's just had, you know, a perfect life, but I'm not going to speak on that for them. But they do have bios and stuff that are out there on the mm-hmm. HR Family United uh, homepage mm-hmm. and also on the Google Plus page. And it's close directly from them, you know, so they can talk about their life and what they're comfortable sharing. You know, but they're all people okay. just like everybody else, and they're talking in real life what they've experienced. Okay. Because that's important that they understand that their their background, and as long as you guys are vocal about them expressing that in a positive way, correct. Um, you know, because that's what the children focus on nowadays. Everything that comes out of an artist's mouth, and a lot of these guys don't understand that. And I've said that time and time again to artists and producers that I've spoke to. You need to be very mindful of what is said. You have a lot of. Uh, naive and a lot of gullible children out here nowadays who don't have a parental vehicle as Rory Bressler spoke on last week. They don't have that that parenting. We lack it in some capacity. And so we know what it's like to look for that acceptance. Like me, you spoke on last night. You look for that acceptance and you look for somebody to appreciate you. And a lot of these kids look to the music to find that. So are these guys and girls aware that the music they produce is going to affect these young people, and how do they feel about that? Yes, they definitely are aware of that. You know, we've definitely, you know, we've had conversations, Mr. and I both, before we start working with an artist. And we let them know that as well, you know, because they're going to interact with the, with the youth. And they are talking directly to them. The youth look up to them, you know, and they want to be them. 
so this is their biggest platform of their music, their lyrics, what they want to take and talk and say directly to the youth and to society. You know, and they can okay. talk about it in real life and put it in a positive spin, you know, and to show them, you know, what else is out there. And they can do that through their music as well because they already have, a, you know, a wonderful platform right there. So, and they all know that. And everyone that we work with, we get to know as a person on the inside. You know, we all know everybody has a past. Everybody, you know, has gone through a lot in life. And they want to use that to empower others. You know, and that is a, is a wonderful thing, and that needs to be done. And they can relate to the children, and children can relate to them. Right. And no. But they all have good hearts, and we all know them for the inner self, and, you know, as a person. And they all right. want to give that. Everybody's on the road. We're already kind of like on our own mission. They're coming together as one to do it. And that's the way it needs to be. Have y'all come up against any other mainstream competition and getting everything put together for your organization? Um, I don't think so. Everyone's pretty much been very helpful, you know, and come on us a lot of people that are willing to, you know, want to help more, and that's how they can help, you know, because, you know, we're not trying to compete against anybody. We're just trying to help the youth, you know, and help society, and that's what we're focused on. Okay. Getting back to the preschoolers that you toyed before you got into doing this, what can you tell us about your experience experience with working with them? I mean, did you see, because that, that there, pre, pre-K and that small age is the training ground for what yeah. a child becomes. Did you see any indications of how any of these children would shape out in life through your experience with them? Um, yes, I think different time. You can tell at the young age, too, that it definitely affects them, you know, because they have a lot of anger, like you said before, and emotions that they don't know how to express. And it bottles up inside them. And I had worked at a um, Head Start, and they had, you know, had children that they would just get so angry and so fit. And I would just hold them and tell them that I love them and it's okay, you know, to show them that love. And it makes such a huge difference, you know, at the preschool age. And we can definitely, you know, start to get a little emotional now because it definitely, you know, affects the youth at the young age. And they need to take a note then that they're loved and, you know, that they're safe. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, I mean, I, I know a lot of parents just kind of drop the children off. I have a, another young lady that I clean for, and she has a pre-K school that she runs, and um, she tells me every day um, she sees a lot of the potential problems that will arise when some of these kids get older. And when she addresses the parents, they normally either tell her, mind her business and do what she paid for, or, you know, they want her to become the mother of their children instead of them doing the mothering or parenting. Have you came across that when you were dealing with the children as well? Yeah, I did, and that's just kind of fun the way you say that because that's how I felt was like, you know, they were all my children. People had 20 children, I had 20 children. I'm very mm-hmm. much a mother hen, and I did act like a mom, you know, and a teacher. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. I know that they're all day, you know, and we have such an impact on their lives. Because if you think yeah, about, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, if you think about how many hours are actually there and stuff, and that's why, you know, people sometimes look at preschool and daycare as if it's not an important job, and it really is, you know. When you're there all day with, you know, the children, and you have such an influence because you can see problems that arise, 
And, you mm-hmm. know, and if you, you know, we have dress parents, and if you do dress parents, they're like, oh, it's not our problem, you know, kind of thing. You can do something about it. You're with that child all day. You wow. know, you can help them. Wow. Y'all can. I mean, basically, you are that that in between. The same way, like when they get to secular school or private school, the teachers, you are that glue that's either going to get them stuck on doing better, or that's going to pull them and cause them to do wrong. I mean, it all depends on how you put your mind to what you're doing, um, because you're that example that they have eight or nine hours out of the day. You know, that you're 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 what's standing between them and the streets. And I mean when we do the PTA meetings, I tell a lot of the parents that there. You're you're the go between and teachers. You're the go between that's gonna make the difference between them becoming someone of the street or someone productive in society. And some believe me and some don't. You know, I mean, I, I always wonder why a lot of people became teachers because the old school ones like you and a few others that I learned under are gone now. They, you know, their heart is no longer in it. They're either there for their 10-year-old or there to get away from their own children. That's what I'm seeing now, and that's the sad part. How does H2Hour family affect you personally in your quest to, you know, better the lives of the children it touches? Um, it actually, you know, it definitely affects me personally because it's part of, you know, I'm working with the people that also were there, you know, when I started my healing process and were there to help save my life. You know, quite literally. And we're putting that same love that was given at that time back into the company and to share it out to others within the community. And it's always been a dream of mine to help, you know, others. And love of children and to work with them and to see them grow and, you know, to give them what they need and to take and show people as well. Like we're teaching, like you just spoke of and I was telling, you know, I've seen teachers do the same thing, lose that passion. And I was telling like, no, you don't understand how important you are to these children. And we can highlight so much to be shown, and that means a lot because now we're taking a dream and what I love most in life together is one, while giving back to the society. Okay. And, I mean, it's the same thing for, you know, those that – is there any kind of way that they come and join a part of the group or is you guys are a nonprofit organization that they can just come in – and receive help. How exactly does that work with H2Hour? Right now, you know, we're bringing people in as we build and as we grow. And we're definitely, you know, you know, working as people can come in and help us. But we are, you know, like I say, trying to help as many people as we can along the way. And it's about helping each other and sharing resources. And as we grow and more resources that we share and skills, the more people that, you know, we will include that also have, you know, such a good heart and, you know, inner person. And we mm-hmm. just can file their paperwork to become nonprofit for the H two hour. And so yes, that is gonna be a nonprofit organization we are and the people can just come in and help us. Yes. Okay. Well I see that you're on the reboot for the Rush Radio show as a new co host. How is that going? It's going great. Um, we've had a couple of shows, and I loved it. And this team is great um, to work with. It's been very pleasurable, and it's been very empowering even for myself, you know, to hear stories of strong women that have overcome and other survivors. It is, you know, extremely empowering. And sometimes, you know, it's giving me that little extra motivation that I needed. So it's definitely been great personally as well. So very excited about it. 
And I just had somebody inbox me asking, you know, for a lot of people, if they speak out and say that they've been involved in domestic violence, people go, why are they a victim? And when they say that they have survived it, they ask them how were they a survivor without really going into it because I don't like, I don't want to really bring up old wounds, but I need people to understand um, where you are now in a better place with this. Explain to them and to the person that inboxed me, I'm not going to say no names, um, explain to them how you were the victim and then how you became the victor and the survivor out of that situation. Well, I was a victim, you know, because I was a victim of domestic violence. I was in a relationship and I didn't see it coming up, you know, at first at once, you know, a little bit, a little controlling and, you know, a little push, a little shove there. And, you know, before you know it, you're, you know, I was in it and I couldn't get out and it lasts for a long time. And even just last month, he showed up at my house at nighttime trying to get back there, trying to get to me. So um, definitely, you know, that I allowed myself to seem like to become a victim and it took a long time for me to realize that, you know, it was not my fault. You know, people do care because I had, at least, had given up. And it affected me spiritually, you know, in every way. And with the help of with my friends, it definitely, you know, helped me start the healing process. It was not quick. You know, it took a long time to take and face each, you know, step and answer questions that I had within myself that, you know, and also to take and start with my life because whenever you're with someone like that and they become your whole life and they isolate you from everybody else, you don't know anything else. You know, okay. and it's extremely hard. And that's why a lot of them do have to feel that guilt of why, you know, I miss him. Why do I want to go back and why they go back? That's all they know. That's all, you know, and that, you know, as bad as it is, like, you know, you don't know what to do because you're like, you know, that's all you know. But then you know you can't stay there because you'll end up dead, you know, literally. Right. And so it's definitely hard. And, you know, with the help of some support with a friend, that's how you know, I started becoming a feeling you know, and sort of understanding. And with the understanding came more healing. And once I finally decided I'm not going to let him control me anymore and that I am worth it and that I was somebody again, that's when I started becoming a survivor. Okay. Because she's asking how did you feel when you realized that? What was what was your initial feeling when you realized you were free? and able to be uh, a whole person again. Overwhelming at first, um, but very, like, a weight was lifted at the same time, like I could breathe. You know, it was very um, emo- it was a very emotional, very powerful feeling. It's hard to describe, but it you can actually feel it through your whole body when you finally feel free. I mean, she was asking those couple of questions because she said she's at that point where um, it's either she flee, you know, or die. Um, like I said, there were people listening um, to some of your experience and how, you know, the music helped you deal with it and your organizations, you know, something else to focus on other than what you went through. And, I mean, I'm hoping for this young lady as I'm, 
giving you giving you to give her that information and she can utilize it. Um, when we conclude, can you go on um your page and I'll put it over on mine, the hotline number. Miss Marie used to do it, the other co host used to be up here before Miss Adrian. She used to put the hotline number up to call for domestic violence. When you get through and get a chance on your page, can you post that number again? And then I'll try to cut and paste or copy it over and put it onto mine because this is becoming a, a long-term problem. Um, it's been one for decades, but now it's getting more violent as the generations change over. Um, old school wounds got to heal. Nobody really saw them. Nowadays, some of these girls are really thinking it's cute to walk around with a badge, as they said when I see them in the grocery store. They call it a badge to wear a black eye from their boyfriend or their husband. And uh, when you start to feel like that, that's sad. It's not cute. And it certainly means that you have something wrong with you mentally, that you accept that as a part of the relationship. And definitely um, we need to pick up resources a little bit better on how to treat this condition because it is a condition. And I don't understand why our uh, clinical health doctors haven't made this a mental health issue. We deal with it, and they have worldwide industries that cover it, but nobody's made it a clinical health issue. And it really is because it not only affects the person affected, but if you have children, God Almighty, if you have children, the children are affected because they either become the abuser or they become abused. And either way, no one wins in that situation because they're only doing what they've been taught or what they felt. And some kind of way, we as a society really need to change that. And other than other everything else has been going on, like I've asked everybody else, and I know you've dealt with a lot of young women or seen them through your organization, H2R Family, where do you see the young women in this generation heading? Um, I definitely see it getting worse if we don't, you know, try to actually help them and improve it. Because as you said, it has been, you know, getting worse over the time. And, you know, society has gone into a spiral that everything is getting worse. And it needs to go counterclockwise and start improving because the way things are going now is definitely going to be horrible. It's become more acceptable. You know, I can say I've been in public and got hit and people will look. And, you know, he said, you got a problem? Like, no, you're good, man. They accept it. You know, and the more accepted mm-hmm. it comes, the more, you know, the more it's going to happen. And there's going to be a lot more women killed, you know, literally, because, like, you know, even I went and got the injunction. I filed it at the courthouse. Then they gave me a letter in the mail saying they dropped it because I didn't show it to a hearing that I was never notified of. The mm-hmm. judicial system don't even take it serious right now. Mm-hmm. And that is and something that not. definitely needs to change because they're not. Mm-hmm. And there's already women dying and going missing, and it's going to be more and more. And it's not just women. It's men, too, you know. Right. But definitely. Right. And if it's not addressed and not brought to light, then people take it as serious as it is, you know, mm-hmm. that it can definitely get worse and it can be a lot more deaths. And it's it's happening um, more so. And it's not just, I mean, that's another misconception that I saw when I was reading your bio and then a couple other comments that people made along the way. Um, It's not just um, in the ghettos, ladies and gentlemen. To be honest with you, from what I do, I don't clean for anybody in the ghetto. I clean middle class to the wealthy. And I'm going to tell you, I see more women with their ass whipped 
and the middle class to the wealthy that I got to step in between and put my foot in the man's face than I do when I'm walking down the street or driving my vehicle through the ghetto. I've seen more of the domestic violence touch the middle to rich because you figure like with money and wealth, you can treat your partner or spouse like a token or like a bank statement rather than like a human being. So, I mean, I know people have that misconception where, you know, most of domestic violence happens in the ghetto. Mm -hmm. That ain't true whatsoever because I don't deal with nobody in the ghetto. All of my folk are middle class, upper class, and that's where I see it at the most now because, I mean, Mm -hmm. you feel like you have a reason to hit them because you're supporting Mm -hmm. them or supporting whatever their habit is, shopping, cars, clothes, whatever the situation may be, you know, um, so it's 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 now taking on the form of art as far as some of the men perpetrating it. For women, it's more of a control thing now. The roles are reversed. For men, I won't say it's controlling. I say it's the art. They look for those women that want those particular things. Some of the male upper upper class abusers look for the women who want those things, who want a better life, and they use the abuse in a means to hold them with it, the money to continue to abuse and to hold them with it. So, I mean, it's not just those in lower class that are going through um, that violence. And, I mean, across the board, it needs to be dealt with. And I'm truly hoping that your organizations can reach the masses um, to let folk know that it's not okay, that it needs to be addressed. I mean, I don't care what you see or think you know. There's nothing wrong with calling the police. That's what they're there for. You know, let them deal with it. They'll get tired of coming to whoever house how many times and end up arresting somebody or doing something. Something to be done eventually. It's better than you watching somebody come out there with a black ass plastic bag and a little corner car waiting on the picture person up. That's a little bit better with you calling the police and some kind of, you know, speaking up. Because that's one thing I've noticed, and I don't know that you have, women in general, that's all color women, have made me sick, and they've seen this happening. Like you said, people saw it happening to you, and all they do is laugh or talk about it. They've not tried to stand up and defend the person. I mean, I don't mean you got to get into no, no muscular man face and talk crap, but just go find somebody to help, you know, stop, let them know that everybody does not approve of what they're doing. I mean, have you seen that? I notice more and more women condoning it when they should be the very ones against it. Have you seen that as well? I have, you know, and definitely, I definitely agree with you too. It's definitely in the middle and upper class, you know. I was middle class and stuff when it happened to me as well. And I lost everything. I said, I was a preschool teacher for 12 years. And I had this, like, you know, my mind said, like, it'll never happen to me. I'm a preschool teacher. You know, I had that previous misconception. And mm-hmm. then now talking to other women and stuff, and I've noticed it definitely is, you know, more prevalent in middle and upper class as well. But then you have that mm-hmm. same loyalty and stuff, and you try to hide it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then some people in the middle and upper class, they don't know how to address it because they don't want to seem disloyal to either one. Or, you know, they may be experiencing themselves and won't even speak on it, you know, like a little taboo. But, um, and sometimes they just don't know how to help, you know. But definitely I've seen it and I've experienced it. And people talked about me, as a matter of fact, and they would laugh at me and stuff. And, you know, the same thing. Like I said, they would watch it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I've definitely experienced that. And that took, I think, the longest for me to understand, to accept. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, and... But definitely, 
people need to start stepping up. Like I said, you don't have, like you said, don't have to get in their face or anything, but to let somebody else know. Because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you can be the person that saves our life just by letting somebody know rather than watching. Right. Right. Barbara. And I'm Barbara, in it, and they haven't done that. What's up? Now, before you answer, the, before you get to the next question, actually, uh, we're going to extend it a little bit. Uh, we had, actually had a caller that wants to join in. She's been listening in, and uh, she has a story that she wants to, uh, uh, you know, talk about herself. So I want to go ahead and bring her on right quick and uh, let her speak on that. Um, okay. Wendy. Hello. Yes, I'm here. Hey, how you doing, Wendy? Um, I'm doing fine. Yeah, it's good to be here. Hi, Barbara. Right. How you doing? Hey, baby. All right. How are you? Hello, Candice. Candice, right? Yes, ma'am. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, well, so I'm going to let you tell your story. I'll tell you what I'm about to say after. Well, before you tell the story, I just want to say, um, I could, I could just invite you. You should join us back in Blacktopia. <laughs> Come back. Thank you. Look, yeah, i Get connected. Yeah, but you should you should definitely join us back in the group, Blacktopia. It's, it's a lot cleaner, a lot positive. We helping each other. That riffraff is gone. All that drama is gone. I know you left when the drama was there, but uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I would love to have uh, you back. But uh, but, but that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that later. God, let's get the story out. All right. Um. Yeah. My mother. Um. Well, next next month, March the 11th, it'll make 17 years that she has been gone. But my mother was always in a domestic violence situation because she had issues of her own with being bipolar and, you know, being an alcoholic and stuff like that. But I'm just saying my mother was killed by a man. She was shot in the head by mm. him. And the thing was that they went back and forth the court and they told them to stay away from each other. I have a little brother the same age as my daughter. And my daughter, 22 years old, and my brother, he's 22, but at that time he was five years old. And they took Mm -hmm. him from her because she kept going back to the domestic. But as my mother, I knew my mother, she, you know, she was dealing with issues herself. But Mm -hmm. that domestic violence, with someone putting their hands on you, eventually it will, you will die. They're going to kill you. Something is going to happen. Even when mm-hmm. I was young, I got with my daughter's father, and he used to put his hands on me. I used to have two black eyes when I was pregnant with my baby, walking down the street, and I was ashamed because shouldn't no woman be walking around with no man that's putting his hands on me. And any mm-hmm. man that's putting his hands on a woman, he's dealing with some insecurity issues himself. So, mm-hmm. you know, when once you see that start arising, you know, it's time to get out. But sometimes, like Barbara said, you know, when you may be in a situation where you have a person that's paying your rent, giving you money, paying car notes and doing stuff like that, and you don't really have it, you either don't have the education or you don't have the money to further yourself so you're going to take this easy scapegoat right here because this man is asking to provide for you, and he's looking at it as a way of to controlling you because if you can't give something to yourself, okay, yeah, that, that's that's a simple-minded, weak man that do that also, you know. And just being in a domestic violence 
relationship, period, it doesn't never, it never, it never ends up good because you don't only damage yourself, you damage your children because your children remember that. You damage your girls, you damage your boys, it don't even matter, you know. And I have done seen at the time where it's not only men, it's women that's domestically violent towards men also, okay. Mm-hmm. It's not always, it's not always the men. It's, I, I done seen women be that way too. But like mm-hmm. you say, that's a mental that's a mental health condition. Mm-hmm. That a lot of that a lot of you know what I'm saying, a lot of people don't understand that mental health is on the rise right now. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And a lot of people are not going out there getting help the way health care is and the way things are getting set up out here in this world. It's gonna make it hard for a lot of people that need that help mm-hmm. to get that help. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. They're going to suffer in silence until somebody open up. I mean, you know, we need to pick up. I've always said this, and you know I said when y'all listen to the, to the radio show on Tuesday. We got to learn how to pick the right battles. We have to learn how to PR everything, you know, not and for our mm-hmm. community, not just the black right. PR everything because we pick the wrong things to protest, but there's nobody standing for these children. There's nobody standing for that domestic violent individual, the victim. And, no one's standing for them. You, I'm going to tell you, I could never connect to this show, but just tonight I was able to connect with it because this is something that I know about, and I know that wasn't nothing but God that allowed that to happen. You know, everybody got a story that needs to be told. You mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, Anybody that's out there dealing with domestic violence or anything, you got to end it and you got to you got to be done with it because it's not good for you, it. it's not good for your children, and it's gonna hurt your family. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, Wendy, I want to thank you for now. Wendy, I want to say thank you for listening. But uh, this show right here, this is actually just a special. It's, it's not something we do every every Friday. Actually, oh, oh yeah, definitely the Tuesday night show. That's the Black Topia Roundtable. So, uh, so if you haven't caught that yet, definitely, definitely we do that every Tuesday night I'm, at 9 p.m. Getting in now because I got a new phone with better features and everything, so I will most definitely be logging in. <laughs> okay. And I, I, would like, I, would like, I would like to get you back in the groups, too, if you, if you don't mind. I mean, like I said, it's, it's better now. It's better. Yeah, like like, come on, come on girl. Don't make country come after you. Don't make me come after yeah. you. You know I know where you live yeah. at. Don't make me come out there. I know, girl. Remember we and golden corral. Yeah, don't make me come out there. Yeah, I told you, don't make me come where you live at. <coughs> come on okay, back now. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. All right, baby. All right. Thank okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, bye, oh, yeah. y'all. Bye. Miss Candace. Yes, ma'am. Okay, we can we can run it for a good uh, for a good um, as long as you and Candace want to talk a little more. If you want to run for another twenty minutes, um, you know, get it out. It's up to you. Uh, you know, okay. so uh, yes, yeah, so I'll let you go. Play a little, a little bit more of the music. We'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more. But give us a little bit more of the mixtape. Give me about three oh, more songs. Two, three more songs of the mixtape. Oh, that's all I got loaded up in the system. <laughs> I'm going to hurt you. See, we've already talked about this kind of stuff right here. Now, I'm not going to do it in person because, see, that's not right to talk bad to you, boss. But I'm going to get you privately. Didn't I tell you about not being prepared with messing with country? Now, you know better than this. I, I, now, say you sorry. Say you sorry. I, 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 say you sorry. I, 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 all right. 
All right. Well, look, look, Candice, you tell us about some more of the artists and their songs on this mixtape. Because one of the other people, while Wendy was talking, was asking about how can she get the tape. And I was telling her about YouTube. But tell them a little bit more songs on it, if you can remember any, and who the artists are. Okay. I know that um, I'm so chaotic, um, but I can't eat drumline. Okay, had a drum line, and they've actually been, you know, they were on the um, Open Chicago Bulls back in 2006, and was at uh, President Obama's inauguration. They've definitely, mm. you know, been working, and, you know, they work within the community of Chicago with the youth. They've been doing it for a long time, you know, and definitely, you know, using the music and teach them how to play the drums and being a positive, you know, role model and influence on them. And that's okay. definitely a good song to take and listen to on the uh, compilation. And see, you know, I was looking at your bio You were talking about in middle school First I'm going to say, y'all, for everybody listening This is a beautiful young lady I'm going to tell you, if you saw her page Even if you were searching on it and looking She has herself doing selfies If you read her bio, you wouldn't even believe she'd be up there doing these selfies So for her, the visual is even more I know, do it again the visual of Candace Norman is more than what you would see if you read her bio. It's two different people that you're looking at when you read her bio and look at the selfies she takes of herself. I'm going to say that first and foremost. But for you, you know, a lot of people, parents in particular, still don't believe um, of the bullying and the, and the domestic violence that happens in the school system whether it's secular or private. Mm-hmm. And you talked about being bullied and um, um, raped while you were in like middle school. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like and and, and mm-hmm. they don't believe that happens until someone puts it on the news. But I've known it to happen in a few of the schools where the principals and all, depending on who the person was, if they were somebody important to the school, they pushed it under the rug. And it made the individual who was hurt by this person feel like no one cared. And you you carry that burden with you for the rest of your life. You know, yeah. So can you elaborate on a little bit of that, that this is a true thing going on? Because I want parents to be more aware of things going on with their children in the middle and high school. Well, some of the kids I knew of happened in elementary school, too. But, I mean, it's across the board problem. So they need to understand this is serious. This is nothing to play with. Now, I understand people got nine to five jobs and you get tired and whatever, but you better find some damn time to pay attention because this is becoming an epidemic where kids are jumping off the roof, hanging themselves from their rooms. We've had a few of that happen to some of my clients, friends, and relatives, hanging themselves from the, the, their um, sheets in their room, jumping off the top of the house, and a whole bunch of other mess going on because no one's listening to the problems that they are facing. So can you elaborate on that just a little without getting into it, and I don't want to upset you, but elaborate to let these parents know that this thing is real. Right. Um, definitely, you know, because my study in middle school, you know, I was sexually harassed and touched and, you know, bullied and stuff by other boys. And, you know, actually I took and spoke to you know, somebody at the house, at my house about it, and they made me feel and actually told me I deserved it. You know, so I took it, accepted it for a little bit longer, and then finally I took it and went and I told my vice principal. And I told him, you know, about one of the boys, and um, he brought the boy into the office and he admitted it, and he says, well, I'm just going to put a letter in your file. This was because he was on the football team. And then once mm-hmm. that happened, more boys decided that it was okay to join in. 
and I had them kind of drag me into the boys' bathroom and everything else. So I stopped going to school. I started skipping school because I was scared to even be there because nobody heard me, you know. I wasn't at home at the principal level. You know, it just made it feel like it was okay and that it was something I deserved. And, you know, I was in middle school and never had been with a boy, really had a boy for a time, you know, so it just kind of stuck with me from then all the way into adulthood. And it definitely, you know, led up to, I believe, me ended up in a domestic violence relationship and feeling like at first maybe I, you know, deserved it still. You know, I didn't feel, you know, worthy of having a good relationship or being with a good man for, you know, most of my life I've had um, my relationships are abusive in some way, either emotionally, mentally, you know, um, and finally physically. You know, all mm-hmm. in one, and it all yeah. came from that middle school. What you about know, the and counselors? That, what about the counselors? See, now the schools call themselves. Um, for, uh, they have a social worker alongside um, the guidance counselors. Did you speak to any of them when it was going down with you? No, I didn't. Uh, once I spoke to the principal, you know, and stuff in the house, I I got quiet about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just felt like it all was already brushed aside, and I just felt like nobody cared, so I didn't speak to any counselors or anything, you know, because I had what I thought was in charge, and, you know, and just, yeah. Okay, so by that time, you had just felt like it was pointless to go to anybody. If the main man, the principal Correct. didn't listen, you felt like nobody else was going to listen either. Correct. By that time. Correct. What about the parents of the young man? Did, did, did his parents come and apologize or discipline him? I mean, what about, because, see, everything no. starts at home. Did the parents do anything either? No. I don't even know if the parents were contacted. And, no, I've never, you know, spoken to any parents. No parents ever apologized or anything. No, I never had any contact with them. See, see, and, and, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is what I'm talking about, too, because when these things hit the home, a lot of these parents want to say it's not my son, it's not my daughter um, that's causing these problems. Well, you already know the bad behavior of your own child, first and foremost. And I believe that we have laws in place for bullying and for being harassed, the, the children in the schools. What's happening is nobody's enforcing them because you see that the perpetrator or the bullier is under 18. And I'm, I'm at the point, I don't give a damn, if you commit a crime, a crime is a crime and you need to serve the time that's applicable to it. Now, if you're somebody who can't handle juvenile jail or jail in general, that's your problem. Because if at home started out right the way it should have been, you wouldn't have ended up in the predicament in the first place. Or for like the young man that was at Booger T, they were concerned about him losing his scholarship because he had kept um, raping a young girl. Once a week, he kept messing with that girl underneath the bleachers um, in the football field. And finally, the young lady threatened to kill herself. And her mother went to, there's an organization. See, this is another thing why I'm glad you guys, like you and others, are around to help educate folks. This woman found a group that I never knew existed in the educational system. They deal with that kind of violence in the schools. Nobody knew that group existed to this mother pushed and pushed and pushed. What she initially done was went to the gang unit of the U.S. Board of Education. Then she went to the um, people that deal with the terrorists, like, you know, the young people that, that um, shot up the schools and all. She went to those two groups. They led her to the people who directly deal. They actually came from Washington to deal with the situation in Norfolk. They directly deal with sexual harassment and bullying in the school, especially if it causes a child to want to harm themselves. 
Now, we need to be speaking up on these type individuals to start doing some more backgrounding in the schools, and principals as well as the students responsible and their parents need to be held accountable. And, I mean, that needs to be done, and we're not doing that. No one wants to do the legwork in this to make it a better society as you're trying to do with H2R family and through your Don Mills Entertainment. You guys are trying to do that, but if, if the upper level who is getting paid our top tax dollars supposed to be doing this, they're not doing it unless you put your foot down and threaten to protest and do some other things where they come and deal. They need to already be looking into these things. We've had enough deaths happen in the schools. Enough is enough with that. Children are there to learn, not to be harassed. And it's bad enough when you come from home like you did, I did, others. You come from home with problems. I don't want to deal with that shit when I go to school, too. School is supposed to be a haven for me to learn, meet my friends. Some experiences I know you're going to have a little bit good or bad, but I shouldn't have to go there and fight for my life or to breathe like you did, I did, others. That's not what, That's not what's supposed to happen there. And the people who are supposed to correct that, I feel like, I don't know about you now as an adult, I feel like have not been doing their job. They're slipping. And with right. that is coming casualties um, involved. Even to the point now you got kids in the elementary school system killing themselves. So somebody is failing at their job. They're not doing what they're supposed to do to protect the future, which is those children. And you had them at the beginning like you're dealing with them now as adults. Mm -hmm. So you already know that crossing in between and being an adult yourself going through things, you already have all that experience to be able to offer the advice and guidance that's needed. But how many others like Wendy and others will be willing to step up? That's what we need to do is get those willing to do. I think the more steps up, the more they hear us, you know, and the more, you know, we can actually make an impact in society and they start listening. I think more women will start stepping up, you know, mm-hmm. because a lot of it is that fear. Because when you start stepping up, you know, I, you know, first start seeing that here. I start getting a lot of funny looks and stuff in this town because it's a small town, you mm-hmm. know. And, and I was like, you know, I'm not hiding it anymore. You know, I've hit it enough, you know. And right. Other women will start seeing that as well. But it definitely, you know, people need to start taking that first step forward. And also at mm-hmm. the same time talking to, you know, the education system and letting them know and showing right. them. And I can definitely reach out online and stuff. And I talk to people, you know, within all the different industries. And I express how important their job is, you know, mm-hmm. to help our youth and the influence they have, including teachers. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping, you know, people will see that and then they'll start to realize it. And that's because sometimes you can talk to somebody many times, but they won't believe it until they see it. That's right, because it needs to be dealt with. And first and foremost, for those who have been a victim and survived, you need to understand it's not about being ashamed of what you're going through. The shame is that you die without somebody helping you. That's the shame. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed of what you dealt with because sometimes you fall into a situation you don't know that you're in until after, you know, it's gotten worse and you can't get out. But it's nothing to be ashamed of. The only shame is that you die because no one was able to help you. That's where I feel ashamed. I'm not ashamed when you speak out and say that this is happening to me. Help me. There is nothing wrong. If somebody needs to put a T-shirt together, maybe you can do that, Candace. Y'all need to put a shirt on you that just says, there's no shame in saying, help me. Somebody needs to say right. that. Definitely. 
Yeah, yep. country saying it. Country saying it. It's been said on my show. Somebody need to put a shirt together that said, I, I need help. Somebody help me. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong. I'm not ashamed to say help me. And, that, and that's the first step to solving a global problem because it's gotten global. Yes, it's, it's worldwide, and I'm, and I'm gonna say it again. We need to list it among. As I was researching you, and and we as we were talking, I didn't see it listed in the clinical book of psychological disorders. It's not listed in the book. Where it's listed is underneath criminal acts. It's in the crime mm-hmm. books dealing with the law, but it's not in the clinical psychological books where it needs to be because it is a clinical problem. The perpetrator has a problem and the victim has a problem. Both have issues, but it it all depends on who's willing to get help and who's going to just stay there and die. You know, and I mean, and and it's hard to say, but that that is the way it is, and it's one of the worst decisions someone would have to make. But it's it's either, you know, do this now or be buried later. And, I mean, you hate to be harsh with some folk with it, but you can't be nice about this. There's nothing nice about this situation at all. No. And it's very true. Definitely. And for the young people that, yeah. The problem is, like you said, it's not even listed. So people are like, you know, I'll call different places and a lot of them couldn't help because they, you know, you said it's not listed. They don't really deal with it. And mm-hmm. they need to, and because it is uh, definitely a mental issue, and it creates even more. You know, like I said, PTSD is mm-hmm. part of it. You know, we get our own, you know, thing, and then you need to figure out what your underlying issue was to begin with. Like, you know, I did experience some child abuse and some abuse in school, and it all led up. It all had to be dealt with as a whole. You know, and they right. definitely need to do that whenever you know helping victims become a victim to a survivor because they can't mm-hmm. be full survivors if they're fully healed, completely down to the core, because otherwise it's just going to repeat. And it's got to be done, especially because children are involved. That's why I don't understand why society hasn't put a more stricter guideline on it, because you have kids involved, and I don't care how young you think they are. Now, only the infants won't really be affected per se or remember, but anybody with eyes and ears between one and now is fully aware of what they hear and see. They may can't, you know, tell you like a, but they're like a recorder or, or or a video player. They are receiving that information, and eventually they'll act it out. They see it long enough. I mean, I've had girlfriends who ran pre-K, own pre-K um, organizations, and they've told me, unlike I know you dealt with it too. Some of them kids get in y'all rooms and act out what they see or hear at home. Yeah. And one of the young ladies, she recorded some. We had it in our LinkedIn business page. She recorded a whole day of events that the kids, first she showed the parents. They showed the parents she was going to show her specific group because she know I do my testify shows and stuff like that. And she said, this is what I see every day. Don't you know there was a little girl acting out her mom and dad having sex? Mm-hmm. There was a little boy acting out watching his brother and his, his girlfriend have sex because they're in the same room. They showed another young man going toward her. She had a cabinet up there. It wasn't no medicine in it. But he kept going toward it like it was medicine, like he was opening up pill bottles and popping pills. Another young man was showing his how his mama would wrap her arm up for to take her needle. Mm. Another young lady was um, lifting her skirt, I guess, you know, playing with herself. You know, oh. these are th- and these kids between one and six years old. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, right? And when she showed the parents. They look right stupid and got upset. They thought she was going to report them. She said, no, I just want you to see. I'm researching this to show you guys what these kids see. They can't talk, but they can move. And they can. Mm-hmm. And once they get able to really have, you know, freedom to, to move and talk, you're going to get a bad taste of what you've been showing them that you shouldn't have been showing them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and people think it's a joke. Definitely not a joke. Mm-hmm. They definitely start implementing, and then that's what they think is acceptable. They think that's what life is, and that's what they start doing. They start exactly. mimicking the apparent, and you are mm-hmm. their first prime example of what, you know, they need to take and aspire to grow to be as, a, you know, example, you know, a human Amen. being, you know, a grown-up, mm-hmm. which is, yes, mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do exactly what they see you do. Mm-hmm. And if it continues, it's going to go on. Like, I mean, I had parents that, you know, sit there and make their drinks, their hot toddy. I'm granted, I know you're tired, and you want to make your hot toddy for the end of the night. And, you know, you and your husband sit down for your nightcap. I had a couple of parents, I said, look, put them chair in the bed before y'all start making them damn drinks. Because I'm going to tell you, they are watching y'all do it. I had one couple thought I was joking. I had them come home from work, and I set a three-year-old and one-year-old in front of me. And the wife always had a vodka martini dry. I don't know what the hell that drink is, though, she had. He always had a Bloody Mary with extra sugar in it. Don't ask somebody put sugar in it. I told the one-year-old baby make mama drink, and I told the three-year-old make daddy drink. You know them children sit there and make them damn drinks better than a bartender would in a bar? You know what the two of them did? They laughed. You know what I did? I quit. Because oh, wow. I said, you know what, this type of ignorance, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mind making my money, but I'm not going to condone this type of stupidity. I've asked y'all repeatedly to stop doing that in front of them kids because I happen to, sometimes I do daycare and watch them or adults, you know, to give everybody a break and I get extra money while I'm doing it. And I told, and I saw the kids kept going messing with the liquor cabinets and I kept popping their hands and butts. And I said, I'm getting sick of this shit. So when they came home, I said, I want, to, I want y'all to see something. When they showed me their ignorance, I showed myself the door. Because I don't condone that type of mess. I'm an old school person. I don't condone that. And I don't agree with parents who do. Now, you got your own way of child. Remember, when your 11-year-old become a drunk like some parents do, you understand why. You did. You can't blame nobody but yourself, you know. And, and, and taking responsibility and accountability for a lot of things, I wish we started getting on parents, too, because it starts there. We need to start getting on them as well, as well as getting on society about helping these kids. We need to we need to start holding parents accountable and responsible for their lack, for right. their lack and laziness. We need to start doing that. All right, we well, do need help. You know, help definitely. You know, people need to start taking responsibility. But the way we're trying to do it is by showing them a different way, and rather than trying, mm-hmm. you know, in a positive way, rather you know, trying to highlight the negative. Is why, like you said, we're trying to do it with a positive twist. And, you know, because people will listen more because I noticed, too, like when you come and you talk to somebody and they feel, they'll get defensive. They'll put up the wall. They're not going to listen to you anymore, you know, even if it's about bettering their child. But if you come at the positive light and you're showing them how to do things, you know, and mm-hmm. definitely with the resources and stuff and bring awareness to it and then have them actually see, okay, you know, and start thinking maybe I need to take it, you know, start watching what I'm doing because they start mm-hmm. to hear us. You know, and we do speak for the children. And, you know, because the children are definitely affected. And this is a way for them to hear their child. Right. And to start seeing that and understanding and not feeling attacked. So they're actually taking it in and listening. And it needs to be. 
And I'm, I'm glad, like I said, I'm so glad. One more time for everybody that's coming in and listening. This is Candace Norwood, and she is a very, very aspiring young woman um, and very positive in getting things done for her organizations, H2 Hour family and Don Mills Entertainment, as well as other things that she's done and experiences she's had. And, you know, it's very important that you get that positive understanding within the parents because that's where it's got to start. It's got to come from there first. Everything you do comes from in the home. My grandma always said that. It starts between the four walls you in. If them four walls ain't right, you're going to come out and be affected some kind of way on society with whatever, whatever you learn. I mean, it's, it's just going to happen that way. I don't care what somebody said. And it's up to the role models that can show you better to try to mold you into a better person or at least give you another view of what life should be like. And I'm glad that you guys are out there to be able to do that. And like I said, hopefully you can be able to take it a little bit further um, than what, where you are now. I'm hoping that y'all are blessed to be able to move it worldwide because that's where it needs to be. Everybody yes, needs to get on board. Everybody. Because this is not just a my problem, your problem personally. It's now becoming a world problem because the children who are carrying, I say they carry it like a tattoo, they carry that message. It all depends on us, the responsible adults, how we can mold them to better understand what they've seen and dealt with and how that is not how their life should go or is not the proper way that a family should conduct itself. And that's what I, I, I truly believe and hope that you guys can accomplish. Thank you. That is definitely, you know, our goal to definitely, you know, work towards that. And it's going to take time, you know. And it's definitely going to take everybody's help. As you said, you know, it's in the homes. It's in the schools. You know, it's in the daycare. It's in the music. It's on the TV. It's on the news. It's everywhere. It's going to take everybody coming together for it to actually work. And so that is definitely what we're aspiring to and hoping to accomplish with this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can't you can't say it enough that you know that's what needs to be done. I mean, we can't we can't stress that enough that H two hours that the domestic violence hotline that you know those those training classes and parenting classes that I feel like some of those have really slipped up in taking care of you know training these parents appropriately. I don't know what kind of clientele they're bringing in as instructors and guidance counselors. But, I mean, you know, we need a better clientele as far as those instructing them and giving them that direction because some of them are falling short as well on what needs to be done. And that leaves organizations like yourself to try to pick up the slack. And I'm really hoping that, you know, up here and, you know, what y'all do every day will get through to the masses, you know, get through to those upper ends that we need to have an extra backup for you guys as far as vehicles in order to stop this. Because this is a particular violence that needs to be stopped. Yes, definitely. And it's violence everywhere. And we are taking one, you know, as far as open community centers, you know, with the help of music events and stuff and raising money and raising awareness, especially in areas like Chicago, and to then have places for children to go that's safe, that's off the street, and have people that are working and volunteering their time within the community centers, you know, to actually engage with the children and show them other opportunities that are out there for them. You know, mm-hmm. music, uh, like the game, gaming, have, you know, just all a dance 
film, everything, you know, just what the children are into. And the people that come in and work with the children are, you know, definitely going to be the ones with good heart and good, you know, inner self and motives. They want to actually help children. Not something that's there just to be there, you know. And it's definitely, you know, something that we have, are aspiring to and want to start as well. And that's what needs to be done. Exactly. Well, before we wrap this up, because this has been one awesome interview, I thank you so much, baby. Go ahead on and plug whatever you need to plug for your organizations for everyone. Well, I would like to say definitely say thank you to my partner, Aaron Barnes. He's definitely, you know, been good help and, you know, a great person and, you know, friend uh, along the way and definitely been part of saving my life and my process. Um, I would like to also say thank you to all the artists that we work with, and I appreciate everybody and all their time and, you know, their more hard work and dedication putting into this to help us to help others. And definitely, you know, ask, you know, for more conscious music and definitely open to help you know, um, more people to come in and help us. You know, like I said, to actually get it in within everywhere for people to work together and make this mm-hmm. actually come a reality everywhere, like I said, worldwide. Start, you know, one town, one community, one, you know, state, one country, just make it spread and actually yeah. help our youth make a difference. Anything else you want to plug? Um, I would like to mention that we do have our next compilation coming out. Um, then uh, hear the unheard volume three coming out, and uh, yeah, and I would like to said. All right. Well, uh, thank you for the interview, Candice. Thank you, Barbara, for the for doing the interview. Um, you're listening. To, you've been listening to Welcome to the Country. Uh, in four hours, this show will be on iTunes. Uh, all you got to do is go to iTunes and put in Barbara. Well, actually, put in Welcome to the Country. Uh, without the O, that's C-U-N-T-R-Y. And uh, Birdman, is anything you want to say to us? Y'all, y'all finished or y'all done? I ain't got no more talking. We ain't got no more talking. Good night. Good night. Good night.